Well, comparison's so dangerous, and so yeah. much of our insecurity is based on comparison. Mm -hmm. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when they compare themselves among themselves are not wise. When right. we do this, if we compare ourselves, and the reason why is because comparison is based on one outcome that two people are competing for. And it's like, I'm, if I look at somebody else, and it's like, there's only one trophy, and I compare myself, now what I'm do, trying to do is I'm trying to evaluate what it takes to get the trophy. And competition is the cousin of comparison. As soon as I compare myself to somebody, it produces a competition. And we're not really competing against other people. We're competing against the shadow version of ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, the, it's who we think we should be versus who God made us to be. Welcome to the Built for War podcast. So glad that you're joining us. We have a really important show today. We talk about church, church leadership, how to deal with problems, issues, opportunities, how to build a healthy, strong church, and also to be a healthy individual in the process. And we're talking today about dealing with our insecurities. Uh, and I have joining me today, two of my dearest friends, Pastor Jimmy Witcher, the past senior pastor of Trinity Fellowship Church in Amarillo, Texas. Well, thank you, Pastor. And also Pastor Lee Cummings, pastor of Radiant Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Sir. Great to have you guys here. Always great to be with you. And Honored. You, healthy, healthy churches, healthy leaders that have healthy marriages and families. And both of you have a church associations, uh, the Radiant Network. That's right. And also the Trinity Fellowship Association of Churches. That's right. And we'll put on the screen how you can get in touch with both of their associations, because if you want a relational connection with someone very healthy that can help you in a relational manner to improve your church, and by, rela by relational, I mean relationship with, with uh, Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Lee, and the apostolic people that they have on their teams, but also with each other, because you guys right. have roundtables. Yeah. I, I wish so much when I was a young leader, uh, I became senior pastor when I was 29 years old, didn't know anybody, didn't know anything. Having a roundtable that you could go to to help to talk with other pastors, talking through guided discussions uh, with the, your leaders there, but being able to talk through church problems and things, it, it should, that would just be such an incredible thing. Um, when I became senior, we're talking about insecurities here, and and I said teasing this on the last podcast, I said teasing this this podcast Everybody's insecure. That's right. And I don't care what they look like or act like or how macho or secure they seem, behind the scenes, everybody's insecure. And the the difference is how you deal with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so so I'm gonna read through some of these notes here real quick. We're gonna talk about a Saul spirit, about the the epitome of unhealth related to insecurities. First of all, everybody is insecure about something now. There's a couple of kinds of insecurity. One is global insecurity, which just means I'm just a yeah. insecure human. <laughs> you know, just, I'm insecure about my mess. eyes, my ears, my feet. <laughs> so uh, the second is everybody deals with their insecurities in some way, right or wrong, pretending confidence, mm -hmm. dysfunctional relationships, addictive compulsive behavior, uh, acceptance and humility, mm -hmm. faith in God. You know, everybody's going to deal with it in some way. Um uh, the other comment is insecurity is an open door for either God or the devil to operate in our lives. I mean, it really is. It, however we respond to that, uh, an insecurity is simply 
misplaced security. Hmm. You agree with that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. You know, some of the most confident leaders, this is my experience, some of the people that you see from the outside, especially in church pastors world mm -hmm. that you look at, especially as a young leader, and you think they're so confident, the closer you get to them, oh yeah, to find you find out how insecure they really are. And I love that statement. I've never heard you say that before, but it's just misplaced uh, security. Uh, so many people put their security and their gift mm -hmm. or what other people think about them uh, or their finances or the house they live in, the car they drive or the image that they have. Right. And, you know, our security has to be in the Lord and on the calling that God has on our that's lives right. or that's else right. it's going to be, it's building a life and a ministry on sand that's consistently shaking with every new storm. Well, I put it here, insecurity is simply misplaced security. Money, people, influence. In other words, I put my security in money, especially people. There's a book that's called When People Are Big and God Is Small. Hmm. Hmm. And I've never read the book. I just like the title. And, and <laughs> Sounds like a series. It's a great title. <laughs> I could have written it. But, the, but when people get big, God gets small. Yeah. I mean, when you make your security in people, you know, it, and God kind of is over here and people get really big, you're constantly trying to please people. And I can just tell you, I, I pastor large churches for a long time, and these guys have too. If your security is in people, get used to being insecure because people are cruel. Yeah. You know, they're a lot, most, most Christians are very sweet and very kind. I've had things said to me and my <laughs> wife has had things said to her that I just can't believe anybody said it. I know. Uh, I mean, and, and if, if, you're you, here. If, if you're waiting for the approval of people, it, it's, it's a, it's a hard life influence, uh, put my, my securities in myself, power, popularity, all of those things. Psalm 91 says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, I trust in him. Mm -hmm. This is where security starts. That's right. Security starts by this saying, I'm not putting my security in my giftings and my abilities and money, power, popularity. I'm putting my confidence in God. Mm -hmm. And so putting your, your confidence in God is, is where it should be. Now, uh, Karen, my wife, uh, came out of a very verbally abusive uh, home, very and she was a shattered human being uh, when I met her. Lowest self-esteem of any person I've ever met. And she turned to the Lord. Uh, and out of her family, the three kids, uh, she was the one that turned to the Lord. The others, you know, it was a different story. And now her, her, one of her siblings has now come to the Lord. But I saw Karen go from being the most insecure person in the world to the most secure person in the world. Mm. And the only thing was her relationship with God. Yeah. And so Saul, we're going to talk about King Saul here in the, the epitome of insecurity. He was jealous of David. Uh, when David killed Goliath, they began to sing a song. Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul became extremely uh, violent and jealous of David. Uh, he was the king of Israel. You wouldn't think that he would have been so insecure, but he was insecure. So I want to talk about the seven signs of a Saul spirit of insecurity. Now, what I'm talking about is unhealthy leadership. So we all have insecurities, and you can deal with your insecurities in a right way or in a wrong way, and King Saul is the epitome of how you don't deal with insecurities. Okay, So here are the, the seven signs of a Saul spirit, and we're going to talk about this. Now, all of us have some of these tendencies. Now, if you have all seven of these, 
<laughs> Listen to the podcast. Live. You better call Saul. <laughs> you better call Saul. That's right. So, but I'm saying some of you might, and I know I know people, very very powerful people in the body of Christ. Uh, I mean, they they're the epitome of this. Mm -hmm. And again, in public, you would never know. Behind the scenes, the people that deal with them every day. So the first is unteachable and unapproachable. Saul, Saul had his uh, Jonathan, Samuel went to him, Jonathan went to him, and everyone who tried to persuade him, he was, was unapproachable and unteachable. So in both of you guys, because uh, we, you know, we're very close in relationship, I've never, I've never experienced that with either of you guys. I mean, I, I could call either one of you and say anything that I wanted to say in, in the same. But when you find someone who is unapproachable, and unteachable, it just means they're insecure. Yeah. Is that right? They're not uh, right. They're just insecure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and I think if you, you know, if you were to ask Kim that question, you know, my wife, <laughs> uh, she would probably say that, you know, especially early on, that was one of the challenges that I had is every time she would say something to me uh, that was in any way, uh, I don't even want to say correctional because you know, she's just trying to encourage me. You know, hey, when you're speaking, you might try to say it this way instead of that way. You know, just give me feedback. I, I would respond so negatively uh, because it was hitting right at my insecurity. It yeah. was hitting at the, well, yeah. I, you know, then I got to be better. I, you know, and, and, uh, and so learning how to work through that has been really, really critical. So that's a great reminder. But how about, how about Jimmy? Because uh, I, know, I know about the church in a lot of detail that you lead or whatever, but when you took over after me, yeah, um, was it hard? Was it, were you threatened by people approaching you and trying to correct you or did, did you embrace it? You know, um, well, I want to say I embraced it, but taking over, you know, taking over from you and, and of course, you know, you had a you had a national presence. I mean, you're, 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 you're Jimmy Evans, you know, you, you've gotten all these books and a ministry and a television ministry and so stepping in behind that, you know, just recognizing I don't, I don't have any of that, you know, and uh, I don't even know if that's part of my, you know, part of my calling. So just recognizing, okay, I can either be insecure about that yeah. and just say, okay, you know, I've got to become this, or I can just say, no, I've just got to become who I'm, who I'm called to be. And I had to go into the ladder because there's just no way of Filling I, shoes that are that are that big, and I, you know, I feel sorry for you because for that reason. Oh, I know you do because they're all the Jimmy Evansites that you had to deal with. <laughs> but <laughs> they just loved you. Well, I don't know about that, but 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 you handled it so well, Jimmy. Well, thank and, you. And I mean, I in the way you dealt with the elders, the way you dealt with everybody. But I would I would say this to any pastor that might be listening. You know, it was so often. You know, back 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 then we had a Saturday night service. So I would preach on a Saturday night and I would literally finish preaching. And by the time I left the podium and got to the stairs, I just hear this voice in my head that said, that was terrible. You, you know, you, you can't do this. You can't do this tomorrow. You're done. You need to quit. I mean, every time I'm fighting through that voice um, and have to get up and do it again. And, and it took years to get through that. What do you think the key was in getting through that? Because I know there's people listening right now that can yeah, ultimately recognizing, I think going back, Lee, to what you said of resting in, I'm called to this. I know I'm called to this. Therefore, I need to rest in who God says I am. That's right. Not who I think I am. That's right. And and trust the trust the leadership. Trust those that are around me. That if I'm going off the edge, mm -hmm. that they're going to 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 be there to catch. And you know, we were, we were talking 
in a, in a previous podcast about governance. That's one of the things that was so helpful for me in governance is recognizing, and, and I actually said this to my elders, y'all are the safety fence to me. Right. I can't see anymore. Uh, now that I'm in this position, I can't tell. It's hard for me to tell. Mm. Therefore, I'm trusting that you're going to tether me and I'm trusting you completely and letting it go in that. And and that's when the confidence and, really came. And, the, and the, the point here is being unteachable and unapproachable. That's, that's right. the opposite. Right. The opposite is you have people around you that you're inviting. I don't want everybody. I don't. I'm. I don't. Want, I'm not approachable by anybody. Mm-hmm. No, I, very I, select group. I, I bite some people. You know, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't want to. But there is a circle of people around me. I want input That's right. from. Right. These are people that I trust. So, Willie, what do you think about it? Unteachable, unapproachable. We're talking about the signs of a soft spirit of insecurity. I well, number one, I, insecurity is the cardinal sin of leadership. Yeah. Uh, if it, you can have a lot of weaknesses, but that is a weakness that will destroy you. And, mm-hmm. and I think early on, both you, you mentioned in your marriage, Jane and I got married at 20 and 21 and I really didn't have a great father figure. Uh, so I learned a lot about the Lord and I learned a lot about, uh, being a man just by observing other people. Mm-hmm. So I had a desire to learn. But it wasn't until I got married and then started a church that I started being a know-it-all. And, you know, the the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life sounds an awful lot like Jane. Uh, <laughs> and, sure. uh, and same thing. She would just say, I, I don't feel like I can ever share anything with you or say anything yeah. to you. And and I started hearing that even from some of the people that were on my staff in the early years. And I began to realize that I'd believed a lie. And the lie was that in order for me to be a husband that was worth following or a leader that was worth following, I always had to have the answer. Mm. I could never let down my guard and let somebody else be the part of the solution or to correct something. I had to be God's man of faith and power for the hour, always have the answer. And by being corrected or being wrong or needing input, it was actually disproving me. It was right. in my own heart and my mind. It was like, okay, I'm no, I'm not a good leader. And as soon as I figured that out, that actually good leaders are constantly learning and looking for people that are further along than you and receiving input, uh, that's that's when that broke off of my life. That's good. And the Lord speak to me, there there's someone watching right now that you have had a very um, corrupt model of leadership in your past that is exactly like Lee's talking about. Someone that was always right, someone was the voice of God, could not be questioned, and you you're you're trying to do that. You're in a leadership position right now, and you're trying to be that. And that's not that's not leadership. That that's insecurity, and that is a false sense of mm-hmm. it's a it's a burden like being a know it all, but not allowing people in your life to speak to you. You're not responsible for being right all the time. Mm-hmm. You're just responsible for searching for truth all the time. That's good. And some of that truth is in the Bible. Some of that truth is in your wife. Some of that truth is in the people around you. And you have to be approachable and teach, teachable. But this conversation that you're hearing in these men right here, this these are good models, role models for you as you're trying to break out of that old role model. Stop trying to be the voice of God to everybody and and allow people to speak into your life. And and I know, I know I'm speaking to at least one person right now that you're listening to this and you can associate with that. The second sign of a soft spirit is jealousy and, and envy. And of course, Saul was very jealous of David, uh, very jealous to the point, you know, where he's trying to kill him. So I've seen over the years, um, 
there are people, when I became pastor in Amarillo, um, uh, we were 1,000. When I, The day I took over, we were about 900 people. I was 29 years old. And we grew very rapidly. Uh, and I can't remember the exact numbers, but by the time that I was 40, I think the church was probably at 5,000 or so. By the time that I was 50 or whatever, we were close to 10,000 people. And I was hated by other pastors in Amarillo for one reason. Our church was bigger than theirs. And I was shocked. I mean, I was just shocked at how many pastors just hated me because I had what they wanted. That was the only problem. And you see, you see in, in ministry, you see kingdom people that want everyone to get better. The, if, if your church is thriving, if you're succeeding, they're like, hey, man, you know, I saw your book came out. I, man, I think that's fantastic. And you're the people that say, they grit their teeth at you and say, got another book? How many books are you going to write? You know, just <laughs> and, but you see kingdom people that want to see everybody win. Yeah. And then you see the petty jealousy and envy. And so what do y'all think about that related to the soul spirit? Well, jealousy will kill that that'll kill anything, you know, and and it truly does, as you're saying, it points to your own insecurity. Yeah. You know, something that you and I know well is, you know, I'm the third pastor to try to take over for for you. <laughs> so there's there was two there was two failed transitions yeah. before before we landed. And that was at the heart of both of those. That's right. And and it wasn't just jealousy of you uh and your success. I think both those men actually genuinely celebrated who you were. But what they did is when they became pastor, they looked at the congregation and they were jealous of how much the congregation loved you. That's right. While it was getting to know them. And so instead of being able to just embrace the reality that you'd been the pastor for 25 years, something like 30 that, years. 30 years at the time, and uh, instead of embracing and celebrating uh, the love that the congregation had for you, that that jealousy combined with their insecurity caused them to actually try to eliminate your legacy, right. which is, is in a... In a very shortened version, the ultimate part of their downfall. And they were both very gifted. Very and, gifted. And we had hundreds of conversations that led up to that. Now I was still there. Oh, it's yeah. like I'm still there now. Right. And and that was the that was the plan. I was still going to be there. I'd still be preaching some. They were going to be doing the leading, but I would still be, you know, an elder and things like that. And um immediately day one in both cases, that is that is exactly what mm -hmm. happened. And they were trying to marginalize me, move me out, whatever. And, of course, the elders then became involved. And you were in both situations, right. which I think was part of God grooming you. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't do this. <laughs> but, but the jealousy is it's just you're never going to be better as a person yeah. by making somebody else worse off. That's right. The, yeah. If I'm not – if I have to be who I am by coming against everybody else, keeping everybody else down, keep, keep – jealousy – means intolerance of rivalry. Mm. Mm. It, it means, uh, see, God is a jealous God. That's right. And it, in a good way. Because his jealousy says, I created you for me, and I'm going to fight for you. Mm -hmm. But the wrong kind of jealousy is saying, I want it all. Yeah. And I don't want anybody else to have something I can't have. Yeah. And if you're threatening what I have, I'm going to you know, come against you. That's, that is pure insecurity. For example, David was going to be the king. Okay. Now, Saul could have assisted that. And had a different outcome. Exactly. He resisted it every step of the way. And God said, I regret that I made Saul king. You know? And so what do you think about that, Lee? Jealousy and envy. Well, comparison's so 
dangerous and so yeah. much of our insecurity is based on comparison. Mm -hmm. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when they compare themselves among themselves are not wise. When right. we do this, if we compare ourselves, and the reason why is because the, uh, comparison is based on uh, one outcome that two people are competing for. And it's like, I'm, if I look at somebody else and it's like, there's only one trophy and I compare myself. Now what I'm do, trying to do is I'm trying to evaluate what it takes to get the trophy. And competition is the cousin of comparison. As soon as I compare myself to somebody, it produces a competition. And we're not really competing against other people. We're competing against the shadow version of ourselves. Right. Mm -hmm. It's, the, it's who we think we should be versus who God made us to be. And it's so dangerous if we live our lives and do ministry competing with a shadow version of ourselves instead of competing against, you know, the it's uh, the church down the street's not our our competition. No, right. Absolutely it's, not. It's the strip clubs, it's That's the right. bars, That's it's right. the college universities where the enemy is working overtime to take people to hell. We're we're trying to populate heaven right. and evacuate hell. Yeah. Well, the devil's trying to populate hell and evacuate heaven. Yeah. That's our competition. And so much of his work is done, especially in the church world, with insecure pastors uh, who are competing against one another. The enemy doesn't even have to do the work. That's right. He gets us taking each other out instead of working together. Yeah, it's, it's jealousy and envy, and they're so common. And there are so many pastors that absolutely hate each other. They, they are fixated on how the church down the street is doing. Did this person, did my person leave up this, my church and go over here? And and what you have in the body of Christ, to, by and large, is just a shifting of sheep. Mm -hmm. It's it's not fish. We're not catching fish. We're just shifting sheep. And people are just paranoid about that and literally hate other pastors and churches and ministries because they, someone went over there or they have more people than we have. The Jesus said, you're my church. The gates of hell can't uh, prevail against you. The gates of hell are the places where the lost people are. Hmm. And that should be our fixation. That's right. That's it. Anything you want to take, the gates of hell can't prevail against you. The college universities, the strip clubs, whatever. When we make it our goal to populate heaven and to evacuate hell, that's where, how churches mm -hmm. grow. Yep. Churches grow one altar call at a time. And when you have new, new people coming in and new life happening all the time, that's exciting. Then people want to come to your church. Yeah. But this, but the old, the jealousy and envy is terrible. The next one is blame transfer, uh, never taking responsibility. Saul went, God said, ult, ult, uh, uh, kill, utterly kill the, the Amalekites, Al Amalek. And by the way, that's, that's who Hamas is, that's uh, the Amalekites. And uh, the same area there. But utterly, utterly destroy the Amalekites. So Saul went and came back, kept the king alive. And took the sheep and, and he said, destroy everything, every, every, the sheep, the cattle, everything. Well, he brings back the everything. And Saul said, you were supposed to utterly destroy them. He said, well, the, the people wanted this, the sheep there. And, you know, <laughs> and so it, it, it's somebody else's fault. Well, insecurity just means I can't say my bad. Yeah. You know, I, 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 that, I did that wrong. I'm so sorry. I, I shouldn't have done that. Please forgive me. It's always trying to deflect the blame somewhere else. What do you think about that? Well, the, the, anytime we're we're not taking responsibility is is basically saying I don't want to be held accountable for this. I, I want the responsibility without the accountability because I'm going to blame somebody else. It, it's always somebody else's fault uh, for what's going on. And the problem is, until we own it, 
we can't solve it. We can't mm. fix it. We can't improve upon it. We can't, we can't even conceive or conceptualize of solutions to our problem because we're blaming somebody else on the problem. So what we're basically saying is, is I need that person or that thing to get out of here yeah. and then I won't have any more problems instead of owning it ourselves and be able to creatively go to God and go, I, you know, I messed this up. I don't know, whatever it is, but owning it and allowing, not, not allowing our insecurity to cause us to blame transfer, but to own it so that we can actually see what's happening. And as a leader, I, I think so much of our growth comes through mistakes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, oh, yeah. so, somebody can say, well, I, you know, I don't make mistakes. I just learn because I'm smart. Well, you're smarter than me because, <laughs> you know, like you were talking about, we had two failed attempts. Mm -hmm. And let me say, and, and I, and I want to say this because we're on this point. Um, my gifting is seeing gifting. For sure. Is I can walk into a room and I can just look around and I can say, oh, that guy, he's, he's a senior pastor. He's this or this worship leader or whatever. But my weakness was character. Hmm. until those two situations and both of both of those situations there were warning signs before it ever happened yeah and i overlooked the warning signs because i could see the gifting and they were both very gifted very gifted and so we we put these gifted people in but the, their character and so uh when you're setting in leaders and we're going to have a program on that when you're setting in leaders don't overlook character issues that's right and when you see insecurity, when you see jealousy and envy, when you see blame transfer and someone can't take responsibility, like you have a staff person, for example, and they won't take responsibility, for that, that's a major issue. That's right. And so the mistake that I made after I got beat up hard twice is what I realized is it's not all, it, it, there's gifting. It, the Bible says David led Israel with the integrity of his heart and the skill of his hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So he had gifted, but he had integrity. And so both of those things, and you've got both of them, both of you guys have got both of them. Um, the next one is control. This is the fourth sign of a Saul spirit. Anything Saul couldn't control, he tried to destroy. Uh, and he took control of the spiritual role. Remember when Samuel mm -hmm. didn't show up? He took control of that, which really, you know, uh, angered God. And so one of the one of the signs of a Saul spirit is domination. Mm -hmm. Dominate, intimidate, manipulate. But one way or the other, I'm going to control it. What, what do y'all think about that? That's, I mean, that's the apex of insecurity. And what we don't realize, especially as leaders, we all have a certain degree of control, you know, mm -hmm. desire for control. That's part of leadership is you want to take people from someplace to someplace and, and you want to help people get there. But that can become an inordinate thing, especially yeah. when it's in an, it's, it's planted in insecurity because what you're really saying is I don't trust people. Right. I don't trust you to be able to do it as well as I can do it. I don't trust you're going to follow through. I don't trust that you're going to uh, follow through. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think so many pastors limit uh, the growth of their church, the development of the people around them, and really the their own advancement. Uh, because they refuse to delegate, and lack of delegation is really rooted in a desire for control. It's mm -hmm. like I want to, I want to, and lack sometimes of delegation, we, yeah, lack of delegation. That's yeah, right. and 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 we even do that with the Lord. It's like uh, it's easy for us to get into our own. This is how I think things should be, and or this is the timing, or this is what that person's capable of. And I can remember several times 
where I've been arrested by the Holy Spirit. And he's like, well, that's a great plan you have, but have you asked me about it? Yeah. And so we even try and control and manipulate the Lord. Yeah. And uh, as leaders, we have to be so aware of that, that oftentimes the thing, control is rooted in pride. I think I know how to get there. But if if we'll allow ourselves to be vulnerable and trust others, it's amazing how exponential multiplication takes place. And the lid on our churches and on our own leadership, our own time management and opportunities, just it gets lifted off. That's right. One of, one of the things that is control, it will not delegate, will not trust. You and I have a common friend that is very controlling of every detail in his church. Uh, so there's employees, yeah, but there but there's no delegation. I mean, it's everything's control. Yeah. So when I became senior pastor, we had a, a we had a, a control based church in the sense of that the pastor did everything. And and the good thing, and to some degree, they loved the attention and the, all the accolades that came with it, but it was exhausting. And so one of the things that I did was teach the staff to uh, to equip, to equip the church members. To, in other words, you're not going to sit here and watch us dance and clap and <laughs> demand more. You get up and do it. And I told, I told the congregation about that. I said, if you're expecting me to do all the work, you're going to be disappointed. You're, you're going to, and I used Ephesians 4, but the staff did not want to do that. The, the I, it, I had to threaten to fire all of them, <laughs> uh, literally. Mm-hmm. And I said, if you don't start equipping your people, you give me your resignation. I said, we're not doing this anymore. Well, what happened was we began to delegate ministry, not just to the staff, but to the congregation. The church thrived. That that's how we broke the lid mm. and began to grow three, four, five thousand. The larger the church got, the easier my job was. Yes, right. Isn't that right? And, and you guys. Hundreds of volunteers uh, and leaders in both your churches every weekend. Oh gosh, yes, thousands. Yeah, yeah. And so the so we, we we began to delegate. And so what I would say to staff people, especially because um, they were always coming back to me. You know, can I spend five cents? Can I walk across the street? Can I park my car over there? And so what I would say to them is, make me correct you for using too much authority. That's good. And and they just kind of look at me. I said. Don't keep coming back to me for everything. Go, go, do your job. It, you know, if you have a big question, come ask me. But make me correct you for that. And they would just kind of look at me. Well, I wanted them to be able to function, right? You know, without me being having to control every thought that went on in the church. And the other thing that happened, and y'all, y'all have experienced this many times, is someone would come up to me and say, "Well, Pastor Jimmy, uh, I heard that there's going to be a meeting at the church on Thursday night to talk about this." I say, "Really?" Exactly. I don't know anything about it. You, you don't know that? There are myriads no, of things I don't no. know. <laughs> and, so, and so some of the control is I want to know everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, you're not going to be in church. No. You know, yeah. You've got to give up on that. I'm in control of the staff, of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I want to know, I can know. Yeah. And if so-and-so is having that meeting and I call him and say, hey, Bob, I heard you having a meeting. I'm not going to talk about that. Well, you're going to get fired. You know, I'm your boss. <laughs> But I don't have to know about it for it to happen. Anger and emotional instability. Uh, Saul had demonic fits, throwing spears and things like that. Now, this is something that uh, goes on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in a lot of a lot of situations where there's just emotional instability. Uh, and you'll see somebody up on the platform that's just happy, mm-hmm. merry, charismatic, wonderful. And behind the scenes, they're just, a, they have a demonic fit. So 
um, I would say uh, in ministry for many years, you know, I would have my moments behind the scenes. I'm, I'm not a person that gets that angry, you know, but I'm saying I would get frustrated or angry mm-hmm. or whatever. I never yelled, never, you know, said anything I regretted to like a staff member or a leader or something like that. But it's common Very when common. a person has a soul spirit to have that emotional instability. Y'all see that? Well, and I think a lot of times, you know, we what we do is we Christianize it. So it comes, what it is, it's passive aggressive. So there's somebody that we have an issue with. Uh, and so we, we may not raise our voice or yell or, you know, chew them out or whatever. But there's this passive aggressive sort of like, okay, I'm not looking at you. I'm not dealing with you. Yeah. I'm pulling away from you rather than mm-hmm. dealing with the relational thing. There's just this passive aggressive and, and it really, in many ways, goes back to control. It's a way of, you've upset me, now I'm going to punish you by pulling away from you. And the next podcast is on confrontation yeah. and conflict resolution and how to do that. And this is part of the dysfunctional That's right. manner that many churches operate. I talked yesterday to a guy that was in a very large church, and he said it was the most dysfunctional, passive-aggressive environment. Mm-hmm. You can, he said, if they were mad at you, they would just punish you, but never talk to you about it. Mm. And, and what it is, it is a it is a punishment, but it's it's a form of control. Yeah. So you now learn, okay, I can't do that now as as the as an associate or employee, an elder, or whatever. I can't make pastor upset because if I do, then I'm going to get cut out. So now there's this manipulative thing that begins to set in on the leadership, and it's a it's another form of control. Well, it's there's spiritual abuse in that because. Um, uh, I dealt with a situation last year where this pastor had said, he said things to a staff person that scarred this person for life in, in an emotional fit and just most horrible things you could possibly imagine. And so, uh, but it's spiritual abuse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it leads to spiritual abuse and an atmosphere of fear. Right. Where everybody at home is trying not to make daddy mad. Right. Because daddy's going to hit mommy or daddy's going to hit somebody. And so it, it, the, him hitting people is not his fault. It's our fault. Because we made him mad. Yeah. So everybody in the church staff is trying not to make daddy mad. But the problem isn't us. The problem is we've got an insecure leader. Right. Who has fits of rage and things like that and says things and does things uh, that, that becomes spiritually abusive. We have to be so careful as leaders that, you know, everything, we, everything we're experiencing personally at home and in our world outside and, and inside of us bleeds into how we lead others. And if we're not taking care of ourselves, if our marriage isn't healthy, if we're not getting downtime, if we're not sleeping, if if we've got all these things going on, you know, the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it flows all the issues of life. Well, out of it flows your leadership as well. And there are times where you're short. Uh, I've been short with staff and uh, there's been times where I've I think I've even spoken uh, at a higher volume than I should have. <laughs> it's like you know, you react, you respond, just like you do in a marriage. And some of the some of the uh, most healing moments in my staff with staff people over the years. I've been a pastor, senior pastor for twenty seven years, has been going back to them and apologizing to them. And that comes back to that insecurity. People will follow you, follow a perfect leader because they admire you. People will follow you as a real leader because they know they can trust you. And they know they can trust you that when you mess up, you're going to own it and go back to them. And there's been times, I think every leader probably has experienced this. I want them to be 
to know you're not alone in doing this where you've had a bunch going on and uh, maybe you've snapped or you've said something or you reacted uh, to that. That doesn't disqualify you as a leader, but what can disqualify your leadership is if you don't own it. And you don't go back and apologize and say, I shouldn't have said that that way, or please forgive me, I got a lot going on. It's okay to do that. There's grace for that. Absolutely. And your people will love you. They'll Absolutely. follow you right. more because they know you're real. Yeah, well, sometimes the first time I ever preached was in Border, Texas. <laughs> and um, I was totally terrified. And I went over there and I grabbed the pulpit. There were like 50 people. And I yelled at the top of my lungs for... 30 minutes. <laughs> and, and it was the worst sermon in the history of the world. I want the tape of that. Now, let me tell you what. I love that. Now, this, this is a true story. I walked out the front door of the church, and the finger of the Lord was in my face like a telephone pole. The, God's finger was in my face. And I walked out the door of the church, and he said, don't ever talk to my people like that again with his finger in my face. So I went and got in the car, and Karen, Karen, Karen was with me, and she said, Oh, that was a good message. And I said, no, what? And I, and I thought, well, they'll never call me back. They called me back. <laughs> <laughs> they, they were so unhealthy. <laughs> they were gluttons. <laughs> so I came back. And and what what made things worse was I was terrified. And there were two little boys cutting up in the back of the church. And it made, was just making me madder and madder. I just got, so I came back to preach the second time. And I stood up. And I said, well, before I preach, I want to apologize. And I said, because the last time I was here, I, I spoke to you guys uh, in a harsh manner and said a lot of things I shouldn't have said. And after I got through preaching, um, several of the people came and said, we thought that was one of the greatest messages we ever had. <laughs> but the difference was God didn't like it. That's right. Is yeah. because, and I was, I was insecure and I was angry and I was afraid. You know, I was right. just afraid. So, yeah. so unbelief and spiritual compromise is number. Did you want to say anything about anger and emotional instability, Jimmy? Well, I think the only thing that I would uh, add to that a little bit is, especially in, in leading staff, I do think it's important too, though, that, that we get to be human and have emotions. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and there are times where I will intentionally use volume and uh, intensity to convey a point that I just, I, I need this individual to never do this again. You, you need to know you've crossed a line. You need mm -hmm. to know this is unacceptable and that sort of thing. So I, I do think there's another kind of other ditch on the other side where we become so apologetic yeah. and think that we got to be calm, quiet pastor all the time that we don't get to use where it's appropriate yeah. Uh, yeah. To, to, to discipline, correct, or coach. And I, I love a Nick Saban quote one time, the the camera operator, there was a bad call, a bad play got called on the field and uh, for the offense. And then so the Nick Saban is talking to the offensive coordinator and there's obviously an intense exchange. Uh, that's taking place. And so afterwards, a reporter asking him said, I, I noticed y'all were having a, a tense exchange. He goes, that wasn't a tense e exchange. That was a good old fashioned chewing uh, that was taking place. And, uh, you know, just sometimes you just need that. And that's okay when it's done, when it's done rightly. When, it, when it's done rightly, it's done in love. Yeah. You know, and so um, unbelief and spiritual compromise. Saul sought out a witch for counsel, continually disobeyed and partially obeyed God. Um, that insecurity will try to find security anywhere it can. That's right. And the problem with insecurity, when you get into this Saul stuff, God becomes distant. Now, I know leaders that can't hear God. Hmm. That, uh, and I'm just saying they don't hear God. And why don't they hear God? Because this is what they do. And God, doesn't, now God loves them. 
and and they could hear God if they would repent. But what happens then is they get into the the compromise. Mm-hmm. They've compromised themselves. Uh, liars. They begin to lie. They begin to to exaggerate. Uh, they begin to you know just do things that um, like Saul did. Now Saul, God wasn't speaking to him, right? And Samuel was gone, so he goes to the witch of Endor and calls up Saul. You know that didn't work out good. <laughs> so what do y'all think about that? Well, I think we're seeing that in our day in the yeah. church, uh, the order of Saul uh, dominating a, a specific subset of leaders and churches and even denominations that are compromising on historic Christian biblical truths because they're insecure about how culture is viewing them. Right. You know, that's a real macro, but I'm seeing so many pastors like change their view on cultural issues, social issues, and they're not doing it out of a deep theological conviction. They're doing it because it's a cultural accommodation. And they're they're insecure about people leaving their church. That's exactly right. right. And what they don't know is it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's right. The fastest dying churches in America are the churches that are fading away from Orthodox Christians. And the the churches that are growing are people, are churches that have pastors that will preach the truth. That's That's right. right. And you have people leave your church because of that. Yeah, of course. You know, but you have more that come because right. they're, they're of, of the compromise in society. What do you think, Jimmy? Well, and I don't think, uh, at least I don't see very many pastors going and looking at witches. You know, that, that doesn't seem to be the case. But what I do see is when you feel insecure, you can surround yourself with yes people. You know, you, you begin to go out and find those who, uh, you know, everything you say is great. Everything you do is wonderful. And you just kind of have this crowd of encouragers, which is great. We all need people that encourage us. But when it when that's all you have and you're not accountable to anybody that's that's strong, um, that to me is the exact same thing. Or or going having a, a Instagram account or whatever you, where you, all, you all the likes, and you go on there and you say anything that you know is going to get yeah, a lot of likes. Right. Or just trying to get that influence. I'll, t- I'll tell you, what, I'll, uh, they may not consult witches, but Saul went to the witch of Endor because he couldn't hear from God. There are a lot of pastors who are trying to grow their church so they're scanning other people's sermons taking their sure. sermons or punching content into chat gpt and you know getting an outline out and it's because they're so insecure uh, that they don't know how to go and hear from god and get a sermon out or 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 just preaching a message that doesn't have any bible in it yeah that's yeah. true just just reader's digest it's kind chicken of soup for the soul chicken yeah. soup for the soul the last one here number seven is the fear of man uh, Saul did not obey God concerning the Amalekites because of the people. He said the people wanted this stuff. His daughter, Michael, of course, married David. And David came in with the ark into Jerusalem and danced, you know, took off his outer garment and danced. And she despised him mm-hmm. uh, because of the fear of man. She said, you look like a fool. Um, and so the fear of man to me is the most tormenting uh it's the most tormenting thing on earth is when you live in the fear of man. Um, and as, as pastors, I mean, you know, I mean, we're in front of people all the time mm-hmm. and I live now in this, this surprises a lot of people, but one of my greatest fears for years was speaking in front of people. And as a pastor, you're in front of people all the time. But the reason I feared was because my, my saying is if you need them, you can't lead them. Mm-hmm. If I, if I need, if I'm speaking to a group of people here and I need their approval, Right. Hmm. There's no way I can tell them the truth because they may not approve. You know, I mean, I want to be kind about how I say it, 
But if, I, if I'm needing some kind of an emotional response from the people, that means all I'm going to do is feed them chicken soup for the soul so I can, they'll keep smiling and nodding their heads. That's right. But if you need them, you can't lead them. So the point being, when you leave home, you need to have God and your spouse and a core group of people around you that are your emotional support. The people you're leading are not your emotional support. That's right. That's right. And so the, the fear of man just says, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I don't want to make the people angry. I don't want to make these people angry. I don't want to make God angry. Right. But I can tell you one thing as a leader, you're going to make some people angry. If you don't make some people angry, yep. you're not leading. That's right. And you're not trying to make people angry. But, but the, you know, my, the quality of my life, uh, my granddaughters, uh, one day, they're 21, they're, they're in college, and this was several years ago, and they said, and if you Google my name, it's all good, so you don't have to go Google my name. <laughs> but they said, Pappy, do you know there's people that hate you? And I said, uh, yeah. And they said, no, Pappy, there's people that really hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a website. Oh, yeah. And some guy thinks I'm a heretic and all this kind of stuff. Well, there's more than one. But uh, <laughs> the point being, I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah. I don't, my goal is not to be hated. Jesus said, beware when all men speak well of you. Yeah. And so the fear of man just says, if, if you live in the fear of man, you're going to live a little life or a compromised yeah. life because you're always going to be looking at what people are saying. Or, again, I don't want to be inappropriate. I don't want to be cavalier or, or crude, but I'm going to do what Jesus has called me to do, and some people are going to like it and some people aren't going to like it. And Paul said, you know, in Galatians 1.10, he said, am I seeking the approval of man? He said, if, I am, if I'm looking for the approval of man, then I can't be a servant That's of right. Christ. You can't live in, you can't please both. That's right. So what do you think about the fear of man, Jimmy? Well, I think it's, you know, and for a leader, especially in a, in a church environment, it is one of the greatest threats because, and, and it, it comes in the form of, you know, I don't want to upset the givers or I don't want to, you know, I want to treat this group special or, I, you know. They're threatening to leave or they're threatening if I don't do this, they're threatening, you know, some sort of a threat. And we just have to get to the place where we're like, uh, you know, I, I am not here to please you. Right. I, I am here to serve you. Exactly. Right. And I'm going to serve you, but I'm going to hear God validate it through the eldership and we're going to go forward. And I, I remember early on, especially growing as a communicator, I would get all these different, you know, inputs of, of what it was. And some people liked it. Some people didn't like it. And I, I never knew how to feel about it. So I finally identified about five people who I would actually listen to. Yeah, and that was it. Good. And outside of those five people, I don't, I just don't care uh, what you think about my message, but it, these five people I'm going to listen to. That's, that's exactly the way I feel about it. And I have you guys, I have a few people in my life that, that I listen to. I, I care about what they say. Other, everybody else I'm listening, but I just, the quality of my life just can't depend on everybody's approval. Yeah. And if it does, you're just going to have a low quality of life. You're going to be worried all the time and upset. So the, the, go ahead. Well, I was going to say one thing that I learned from you that it might be helpful to somebody out there. You know, uh, I've got people that help read through my email, um, any direct email that's sent in or pursuing, you know, comments on social media. I've got teams that take care of the negative. Yeah. Because it, it gets overwhelming. It's, yeah. And so, no, you know, it's, it'll slime you. I, yeah. I don't deal with all that. Yeah. I don't deal with all that. No, I did for a long time and it throws you off. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is emotionally it just throws you, you start questioning yourself, oh, yeah. you know, and questioning what God has called you to. And, and that right there should give you an indicator that your, your heart is receptive to correction, but you don't want to overcompensate where everybody's voice 
has uh, space in your heart. That's right. You know, the, the fear of man is a snare. And I think for every leader, as much as Moses is an example for us of going in before the people and coming out before the people, meeting with God, hearing him, and then leading them, Aaron is a cautionary tale. Because in the absence of a Moses leader, Aaron said, what do you people want? And they that's said, well, exactly make, make right. an idol for us. Right. And so that's what he did. He made that golden calf for them. And there, there are a lot of leaders that are, are being told, hey, this is what we want. And uh, our responsibility is to give the people what God wants that's for right. them, not what the people want. That's exactly right. So I'm going to talk, just read a scripture here and just talk for just a, a minute about how to overcome insecurity in a soul spirit. Uh, this is 2 Corinthians 12. This is Paul. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The number one thing that we do for insecurity is turn to God. That's right. It, mm. uh, insecurity is misplaced security. If your security is in people, money, your looks, your giftings, the size of your church, whatever, you're going to be insecure, period. So you have to turn to God. The second is to embrace your weaknesses. So the Apostle Paul, I mean, the, the, he was, you, you talk about an incredible person. Um, God, this, the thorn in the flesh, I believe it was eye problems because the book of Galatians says I was with you because of a, a physical infirmity. And if possible, I know you'd have plucked your eyes out and given them to me. So I think it could have been a physical problem, like eye problem, but whatever it was, Paul prayed three times that it would leave. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. See, you can do this all your life, or you can do this. And doing this means I'm not going to admit I'm going to try to get something else to fix this, this gap, this insecurity. Doing this is God is going to fix the gap. Mm -hmm. It's not people. It's not money. It's not the size of my church, whatever. I have insecurities. I, I am an insecure man, but I let God into those insecurities. And because of that, I'm secure in God. I'm not secure in Jimmy. I'm not secure in the present or in the future. Uh, who knows? I'm not secure in money. I'm secure in God. And when you're insecure in God, you're you're secure in the present. You're secure in the future. You're secure financially. You're secure because you're secure in God. And so you have to turn to God and you have to admit your weaknesses. God says, my power is made perfect in your weakness. See, let me say this. The, you know, this Superman senior pastor or Superman uh, leader that I know everything, I'm I love children. I love old people. I go to the mission field. I serve in the soup kitchen. I preach fantastic three times a week. I counsel everybody, marry everybody, bear everybody. I'm everything to all people. Let me just tell you something. That is idolatry. Hmm. That is the most dangerous thing in the world. And so Paul said, when I'm with you, I know I don't speak very good. You know, my, my looks are not great. Uh, you know, Moses said, I'm not a good speaker. Well, why did God call somebody that couldn't speak well to deliver you know, millions of people because God wanted the glory. That's right. And so when we let God into our insecurities, God says, my power is made perfect. When you let me into your weaknesses, mm -hmm. you have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. That's where insecurities come from. And so 
turn to God and let God into the insecurity. Paul says, now, most gladly, therefore, I boast in my weaknesses. Okay, So we're sitting here talking to you saying, we're insecure. We've got insecurities. This, this is how we deal with our insecurities. But if you don't deal with your insecurities, you're, you may not have the total Saul package, but you're going to have some of those things, and, and they're not going to go away until you deal with it right. And the last thing is put faith in God's grace. Mm. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And here's the point. God loves you. God, God's for you. I, yeah. If I could go back in time, I'm 70 years old, if I could go back in time uh, and talk to myself, the first thing I do is slap myself for all the stupid things I did. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing I would do if I could go back in time is say, Jimmy, he loves you and it's going to be okay. Yeah. Stop worrying about the future. Stop worrying about everything. God's with you. He loves you. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. He's okay with that. Just trust in God. And so turn to God. Admit your weaknesses. Stop, stop hiding them and, and trying to make everybody think you don't have them. But have faith in God's grace that wherever you are, God is going to give you the grace that you need. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. With all your issues, with everything going on, I'm with you. I'm not going to leave you. You don't have to deserve it. I'm going to, I'm going to carry you. I'm going to pick you up. We're sheep. God made us a sheep. And that's not a compliment. Is sheep are pathetic animals. They can't bear burdens. They can't navigate. They can't protect themselves. But they need a shepherd. And the Bible commonly refers to God as our shepherd and us as sheep. And it just means we desperately need him. And to the degree that we turn to God and allow him into our weaknesses is to the degree that we become secure, mm -hmm. healthy leaders. Pastor Jimmy, Pastor Lee, thank you for mm -hmm. joining me today. Thank you. Great discussion. We hope that this has helped you. We have a pastor school coming up March 4th through 6th here at our XL Marriage Center here in South Lake, Texas. Pastor Jimmy Witcher, Pastor Lee Cummings, Pastor John Chastain, myself. We teach how to do church, uh, how how we do church. And we talk in detail, and we have a lot of questions and answers, a lot of interaction. Small group of people, we keep it 100 or less. We don't want a lot of people because there's a lot of interaction, a lot of questions and answers. We want to specifically be able to answer the questions that you have from your place of leadership and from your church. If you're interested and being now, this will fill up. So, so, if you're listening to this, go online to pastorschool.com and you can come as a couple. You can bring your staff. But, like I said, it'll fill up. So, go on pastorschool.com. You can get all the information there. Sign up. We would love to have you be a part of this. And if you're enjoying these Built for War podcasts, talking about healthy leadership, support us. The information is there on the screen of how you can give. No gift is too small, no gift is too large. And you can give a recurring gift, something that gives to us every month to keep coming back to you with this quality material. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time.